I want to talk to you about lifting up your eyes. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And uh, I think sometimes we look at that and we just, we just kind of look over, oh yeah, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. But <clears throat> throughout the scripture, it talks about, and especially with Jesus, talks about how he lifted his eyes. And I want to talk today about lifting up our eyes, lifting our eyes up so that, so that we can see. You know, in, in Acts 1.8, it says that, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. But it says, you shall receive power, you shall receive power. Did you, did you catch that? You shall receive power. And so what I want us to look at, one of the things that I want to emphasize this morning is the receiving. Receiving the blessings. You know, and, and oftentimes we talk about something being poured out upon us, whatever it might be. <clears throat> but what I want us to see is we need to receive and and when we're able to receive something, it means that it's, that it's already been done for us. But that all that we need to do, all we have to do, is to be in a position to receive. And so, this scripture, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. <clears throat> it implies that the blessing is there, the blessing is available. And so, all that we need to do then is receive it. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In 2 Peter, the first verse, or excuse me, the first chapter, and the, the third verse, it says, well, let's read verse 2. I really like that verse. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, as he as his, Jesus, as his divine power has given to us, has what? Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I mean, you know that this world that we live in is, is pretty corrupt. But we escape it by receiving what Jesus has done for us. We don't escape it by simply fighting against it. We escape it by receiving what Jesus has done for us. You know, in the, in the scripture, it talks about um, several different things. And one of the things that talks about how uh, the blind receive their sight, and I think sometimes we look at that and and. And we think, well, that, that was for then. But 
What I want us to see is, as we go through the scriptures, we see what has been made available to us. And what we need to do <clears throat> is be willing to receive it. It's not us trying to make something happen. It's us being positioned in a place where we're able to receive what Jesus has done for us. I've, I've got a lot of scripture. I'm sure Hank went wacko today uh, trying to get them all written uh, in, in the thing. So I'm going to read them out of my notes because we got a lot of scripture to go through this morning. And, but, but Hank will be throwing them up on the board for you so that you can look at them and write them down and so you can look them up for yourself later. But it talks about how it was made available to receive sight. In Matthew 11:5, it says, The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. It's talking about what Jesus preached and what he made available to those around him. And what did they have to do? They merely had to receive from Jesus. What do we need to do? We need to be in a position where we receive from Jesus. In Acts the ninth chapter, the 12th verse, and it says, In a vision he had seen a man named Ananias, this is talking about Paul, coming and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. So what did Paul have to do in order to see? He had to receive his sight. What are we talking about this morning? Receiving something. Being in a position where we're able, where we're willing to receive. Healing was provided for us on the cross. And so what we need to do is receive it. Healing, it's, it's part of the completed, the finished works of Jesus. And it's talking about physical healing here. Remember years back being in a study and this, this guy said, well, you know, when it's talking about um, uh, healing, it's talking about spiritual healing. And I says, no, if you look that up in the Greek, you'll find that it's talking about spiritual healing. And so he pulled out his Greek New Testament. I thought, boy, I sure hope I'm right on that one. But I was right on that one because it's talking about physical healing. It talks about receiving the teaching in Matthew 19, 12. He who is able, I'm able, you're able. He was able to accept him, accept it, let him accept it. You realize it's not enough to just simply be able to accept it. We have to be willing to accept it. We have to be willing to open our hearts and receive what the Word of God has to say to us. It isn't just a matter of sitting and through osmosis or something. It just gets in the inside of us. No, we have to be, we have to be willing to receive. Listen to this. Listening is a choice and hearing is a decision. You can make the choice to hear, to listen, but never hear. And so we have to make a decision to hear. I don't know if you've ever been there where there, there's something that you want to hear. And so you've got you've to set aside, you've got to look away from all the distractions that are there so that you're in a position to be able to hear. Hearing is a decision. 
Jesus said, if we have ears, we shall hear what the Spirit is saying. But there's a choice that's involved in there. There's a decision that's involved in that. <clears throat> Bible talks about how he shall receive, and this is talking about Jesus, that, that were to receive the hundredfold return. Listen to this in Matthew, the 19th chapter, the 29th verse. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or land for my name's sake shall receive. What shall they do? They shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So it's talking about material things. It's talking about financial things that we can be in a position where we can receive what God has made available to us. But once again, we've got to be willing to receive. Jesus said, if we are faithful to give, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. If we be faithful to give, we shall receive. And so we've got to be willing to hear. We've got to be willing to accept. We've got to be, make that decision. We're going to hear what's truly being said. We need to receive what Jesus has made available to us. We talk about praying for the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We can't really pray for somebody to have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has been already been given. We need to be, pray, be praying for people to be willing to receive the Holy Spirit that has already been given. And so we go through a lot of effort trying to accomplish something that's already been done. But we don't recognize it. What I want us to, to look at this morning and what I want us to see this morning is what has already been made available to us that we need to but receive what Jesus has done for us. We ought to... <clears throat> Uh, in, in Acts, the 8th chapter, the 15th verse, it says, And when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. We pray for people, oh, be baptized in the Holy Ghost. We need to be praying that they'll receive what Jesus has already poured out for them. In Acts 1, 8, it says, Ye shall receive power. We have power in our lives because we've received what the Holy Spirit has done for us. We've received the Holy Spirit. It's not me trying to get Him to do something in my life. It's what He's already done, and I need to position myself, put myself in a place where I receive from Him. In John 7, 39. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. Those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, you know what? Jesus has been given because Jesus, or the Holy Spirit has been given because Jesus has been glorified. And so we're not, we're no longer in the position of the disciples in Acts, the first chapter, because the Holy Spirit has already been given. But what it is now, we're in a position to be able to receive. You know what? You don't have to struggle 
to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to simply say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life. I receive you in Jesus' name. Well, well, Pastor, that's not very glamorous. That's not very glorious. But it's very true. We need to be willing to receive what Jesus has done for us. John, the 20th chapter, the 22nd verse, and it says, But when he had said this, he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Jesus simply breathed on his disciples, and they received the Holy Spirit. You know what? The Holy Spirit is breathing on us. We need to simply receive what he's already provided for each and every one of us. In Acts 2, 38, and Peter said to them, because he said, what, 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 what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do we experience the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives? By receiving Him. By being filled with Him as we receive what He's done for each and every one of us. You know, it's not a matter of us trying to get tongues. It's a matter of us receiving the Holy Spirit. And the manifestations of the Spirit are going to be real. They're going to be true, available in each of our lives. You know, salvation, I think oftentimes we make it so, so complicated for folk. But you know, all that we have to do, all that an individual has to do is receive what Jesus has provided for them. It says, as many as receive. In John 1:12, it says, but as many as receive him, Jesus. To them he gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, as many as receive him. <clears throat> you know, I, I remember when I was going through evangelism explosion down in, in Ankeny, Iowa. There was, there was this big conflict because it was a traditional church. Um, you know, and we couldn't do anything to earn our salvation, which I believe in. But the debate was whether you could receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because if you did that, you were doing something. And so all you could do is stop rejecting him. Anyway, I, I mean, you want to talk about making it complicated. But you know, all we do is receive what Jesus has done for me. You know, if I want to give somebody money, all they have to do is receive it. All we have to do is receive Jesus. But oftentimes we put all these qualifications on it. We put all these conditions on it. It says that if we will believe and simply receive, you know, that really describes what so much of the Christian walk is, is in general. Stop rejecting, simply believing and receiving 
believe what the Bible says about you and receive it. And what happens is we begin to experience the, the victory that is truly ours. You shall receive power. Where does the power come from? The power comes from receiving what Jesus has already done for us. Uh, you know, you need to pray in tongues more and then you have power. Praying in tongues edifies you. And edification will do you a lot of good because it'll build you up. And it'll give you the confidence to receive what Christ has already done in your life. But you know what? The power is already in you because you've received the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power that wants to work through you to accomplish what Jesus said you would accomplish. Isn't it an interesting thing about Jesus? We don't have an account of Jesus doing a single miracle until he was baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove and Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And from that moment on, miracles began to flow in Jesus' life. It was a part of who he was. You know what? When you and I, when we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, it's to be a part of who we are. Our life isn't a bunch of different sections. I know what the one teaching was is that we men in our brains, we're, we're, we're compartment, compartment. We've got a bunch of little boxes up there. And we can be in one box. Well, the Holy Ghost isn't to be in a separate box. He's to be in everything that we do. Why? Because we've received from Him. And because we've received from Him, we're able, to, we're able to give to others. And, you know, Jesus is our type, is, is, the, is the example that we have in our life. You know, I thank God for Paul. I thank God for Peter. I thank God for all the... But Jesus is ultimately the one that we look to. Amen? Jesus is our example. In, uh, in Mark, the fifth chapter, this is a portion of Scripture that we're, we're all very familiar with, and, and uh, it, it's just, I'm not going to read it. It's just too much to read. But I just want to tell you a story. This is about Jesus and His life in ministry. And you know, Jesus, He took on flesh so He could, he could function in this world so that he could identify with you and me. Amen. You know, just, just one of my pet peeves. You know, people, well, you know, the, the things you go through, you have to go through it so that people can identify with you. Now, that might help some people out, but, but ultimately, people aren't to identify with you. Our identity is in Christ. And as you go through the Scripture... Our, what we're to do is we're not to get people to identify with me. Yeah, I, I know what Paul said. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But notice the condition there. The condition is you only imitate me as long as I'm imitating Christ. And so, you see, each and every one of us need to know what Christ-likeness is like so that we know that those that we're imitating are like Christ. 
But see, ultimately, each and every one of us, what our job is, is to get everybody that we associate with to identify with Jesus. Not with me, with Jesus. And so here's Jesus. He's, he's walking along with his disciples. They've, they've, they've just fed the thousands and, and people are pressing around them because of all the things that are going on. And all at once this, this guy comes up to him, this, this guy by the name of Jairus. I know I didn't say it right, but I can't get my tongue to work right now. But, but he comes up to him and he says, uh, my, my daughter is at the point of death. Will you come and pray for her? And Jesus says, of course I will. And so they, they start on their way and, and the crowds are still around and the crowds are pressing in upon them. And, and just prior to this, as Jesus is going through this, he's talking with his disciples. He's probably talking about where they're heading next and so on and so forth. Jairus comes along. Will you pray for my daughter? Of course I will. He's on the way. And while they're on the way, all of a sudden he senses something. He feels power flow out of him. And he stops in his tracks and he says, somebody touch me. The disciples look at him, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Everybody's pressing in. Thousands are pressing in upon you. He says, no, 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 no. Somebody, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in a different way because I felt power flow out of me. What happened? This woman received something. And without Jesus saying a word, this woman had put her place, and it's the woman with the issue of blood. She had been bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says she had only grown worse. She, was, she had spent everything that she had on medicine, only grew worse. And she comes up behind Jesus. She touches the hem of his garment. And the moment that she touches it, she feels healing power flow through her body. All that she did was receive position herself to receive from Jesus. And Jesus says, I, I felt something here. And so Jesus turns around and he, he finds this woman and he, he wants a story. He wants her to give this, her testimony. Can you imagine what Jairus is going through right now? He says, Jesus, come on, come on, let's, let's get moving along here. You come back later and get her testimony. My daughter is dying. And so what does Jesus do? He hears a testimony, how she had lost everything that she had. But she touched the hem of his garment and he, she was made completely whole. Or she was healed. And Jesus turns around to her and says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Every area of her life was restored at that moment because she placed herself in a position to receive from Jesus. And at that very moment, one of the servants of Jairus comes along and says, uh, don't trouble the master any longer. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus overheard it. Can you imagine what Jairus is going through right now? If only. If only he had come. And Jesus says, just believe. He went with her and what did he do? Raised up her daughter. But think about this. What would have happened if when those two individuals had approached Jesus and Jesus would have said, yes, I believe that I can minister to you, but you know, I need a couple hours to myself to be able to get prayed up. You ever heard that one? So I can get prayed up. But see, Jesus 
was constant in season and out of season. Jesus was walking in the flesh, talking with his disciples about their itinerant, where they were going to eat, what was going to happen next. But the moment that there was a need, Jesus was in a position, he was able to minister to that need. You know what? Same thing is supposed to be true for you and me. We're to be in a position that no matter what the circumstances are that are going on around us, we need to be able to refocus that quickly. Why? Because the things of God are so alive to us. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. You're watching a news event. You're watching it on TV. And I'm just going to use this as an example because I've I've seen this, and you know, there, there was a, the, the, the media is uh, sharing about the, a riot at a prison someplace, and so the camera is focused, and it's focused on the fence, and you can see the fence, and in the background is the, the actual prison, but it's, it's kind of fuzzy because it's focused on the fence around the prison. But then what happens is the cameraman he changes the focus. And he begins to focus on the actual prison, the buildings. And it's like the fence disappears. Now the fence is still there, but you just can't see it because the cameraman has refocused. We're in the world, but there's times where we have to refocus. The world is still there, but we've refocused and we're, we're looking upon, we're seeing the spiritual things. It's like looking at that building. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says that we are, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And that treasure that that's talking about is our inner man, our spirit man. It's living in this earthen vessel, but it's a treasure. Do we see it as a treasure? Our spirit and our, our soul is that treasure that it's talking about. And that, that vessel is something that's going to produce. But you know what? We've got to look into the spiritual realm to be able to see it. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have, we have two sets of ears. I, I know we have two ears. But we have two sets of ears. We have the physical ears that hear in the physical world. But we have another set of ears that are able to hear in the realm of the Spirit. And you know, sometimes the, it, it's so loud in the, in the physical world that it's difficult to hear into the spiritual world. You know, yesterday as I was going to Fort Dodge to see Bella's soccer game, you know, 45 minutes each way and you know, I started out, I had, you know, the radio station I often have on. It's got classical music, had that on. And 
just sounded like a bunch of noise. And so I put a CD on and just sounded like a bunch of noise. And so then I, I tried, you know, getting the scanner on, thought <clears throat> maybe the Gopher baseball game was on because they were beating Ohio State at the time. But, you know, of course, couldn't find it. And whatever I did find was just a bunch of noise. And so finally I just turned it off. And there's no physical noise except the purr of my car. But you know, when you, when you shut out the physical, you can begin to hear sometimes in the spiritual. Well, you hear all the time in the spiritual. But you've got to get rid of the distractions. We have two sets of eyes. We have two eyeballs to see into the natural world. But you see, we also have eyes of the Spirit. In Ephesians 1.18, it calls it the eyes of the heart. We have eyes in our heart so that we can see into this world that we live in. That we can see beyond the natural and the things around us. Mark 4.23, it says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear not talking about physical ears here because we have physical ears wow you got ears got ears to hear here you know, he doesn't hear too well he still roots for the bears anyway <laughs> but it's not talking about physical hearing it's talking about spiritual ears he who has ears to hear let him hear and so what's required is because there's this natural world and this spiritual world, we have to be able to refocus. We're living in this world, but we've got to be able to refocus into the spiritual world. Oftentimes concerning Jesus, it talks about how he, he lifted his eyes. That's what I... We, we look at that and we think, well, Jesus lifted his eyes from the ground and looked up to heaven. I don't believe that's talking about his physical. I believe it's talking about his spiritual eyes. That he lifted his eyes and he looked from looking at things simply in the natural to where he began to look at things through the eye of the Spirit. And you know, the world that we live in today We've got to be able to do it, and we've got to be able to do it that quick because there's so much that's going on around us that's destructive that we need to be in a position where we can lift our eyes and look from this natural realm and see into the spiritual realm. And by talking about seeing into the spiritual realm, I don't necessarily mean that we physically see something, but our focus is totally different. In the Scriptures, we see four different times where Jesus lifted his eyes. And when he lifted his eyes, he received power. Now the thing I want you to see is that he had the power. But when he refocused, he was in a position to receive or act upon that power that was on the inside of him. You and I, we've received power. We have power from on high. But there comes those points where we have to refocus so that we can receive or we can activate 
that power that's available to each and every one of us. So let's look at these occasions where Jesus lifted his eyes. The first one I want us to look at is in, 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 Luke, is in Luke, the sixth chapter, the 21st, 22nd verse. And it's before he's teaching, and it says, Jesus lifted his eyes on his, uh, lifted up his eyes on his disciples. In other words, he looked up. And I don't believe he just simply looked up because he's about to teach one of the most important messages that he, has, he had ever preached. And it's his, his first message. It's the Sermon on the Mountain. On the Mount. And what did Jesus do? It says that he, he lifted his eyes. You know, I don't care whether it's a sermon. I don't care whether it's children's ministry. I don't care whether it's a Bible study. I don't care what it is. Before we enter into it, we ought to lift our eyes. We ought to be looking beyond just simply the natural that sits in front of us. We ought to be looking into the spiritual realm because it's in that realm that we see what people really need. You know, I've talked about this before. You know, anybody can learn to preach. Anybody can do it. Well, I don't know if I can or not. Yeah, you could. But see, it's not enough to share information. We've got to be willing to lift our eyes that we share more than information, that we do as Jesus did. We share something that's revelation. You know, even, even if we're doing our own devotions, as we're going through it, we ought to lift our eyes. In other words, we ought to lift our eyes off of the natural, and we ought to look and see, what's he really wanting to tell us in the realm of the Spirit? The second time Jesus lifted his eyes was when he was going to feed the multitudes. It says in John 6, 5, Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw the great company. He lifted his eyes and he saw the great company. But when he saw the great company, I believe that he saw more than just a bunch of folk. I believe he saw the multitude and he saw the need that was there. And he, and he yielded himself to the Holy Spirit. And he received power to accomplish what needed to be done at that particular point in time. And what did he do? He fed the thousands. It wasn't just because it was a good idea. It was because he lifted his eyes. You know, we see the miracles in the Bible and we say, Pastor, I just want to see more miracles. Well, so do I. But you know what? Miracles are not manufactured. Miracles are a result of the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. And if we want miracles, we need to be lifting our eyes to see the direction that he's taking us. Receive what he's done for us. The third time was when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus. And it tells us in John eleven thirty nine 39 through 41, I'm not going to read it all. He lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Now think about this for a, situation, for a moment. 
Why did he need to lift his eyes? Because if he had looked around the circumstances around him, Mary's weeping, Martha's weeping, the whole crowd is weeping. Let me tell you something. It was not an environment of faith. But what did Jesus do? He didn't look to them. He looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me, that you've heard me. What happened? Lazarus came out of the tomb. So whether he is teaching, whether he is feeding the multitudes, whether he is raising the dead, what did Jesus do? He lifted his eyes. He lifted his eyes. And he saw into a realm where you and I are in need of being. Because you know what? We live in this world. We're in this world. But we're not of this world. We've got to function in this world. If you're not functioning in this world, you're of no benefit. Amen? Jesus was no was not so spiritual that he could not function in the world. But Jesus was not so worldly that he could not function in the realm of the Spirit. And that's where we need to be. We need to be functioning in this world. We need to be a benefit in this world. But we can't be so worldly-minded that we can't touch the Spirit. And so what do we do? We do like Jesus. He lifted his eyes. Before praying, the fourth thing, before praying, Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and said, that's John 17, 1. He lifted his eyes. You know, whatever we're praying for, it ought not to be just a clanging cymbal and a banging drum. Because if all we're doing is making sounds, that's what it is. We need to be lifting our eyes and looking to heaven and, and praying in faith and, and looking into the Spirit and saying, Father, what is it that you want? In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. How are we going to move in this world effectively? By the Spirit of God. And so like Jesus, you know, it's not about how eloquent our prayer is. It isn't about how long our prayer is. But what's the focus of our prayer? Are we looking into the realm of the Spirit? Or are we just simply blabbing out a bunch of words? I want to share another story about Jesus. And we find this in, in John 4.4. 4. In John 4.4, 4, Jesus makes this statement, or in, in the fourth chapter of John, he says, we need to go to Samaria. It wasn't, I want to go to Samaria. I think we should go to Samaria. Jesus said, we need to go to Samaria. And so they went to Samaria, and, and here they, they, they stop at the well outside of the city. And Jesus, Jesus sends the disciples on. 
And, and so they go on to the city because they want to get something to eat. Now, now, they're not really very excited about this because Jews don't like Samaritans. They don't get along. In fact, Gentiles don't like Samaritans because the Samaritans are they're, they're a mixture. They're half Jew and half Gentile. And so the disciples' racist attitudes are showing up. And they don't want to go to Samaria. Uh, Samaria. And so they, they go to Samaria, and as they're approaching it, they're, they're walking through wheat fields, and, and uh, they're, they're commenting to one another how how good the crop looks, and, and uh, within a few months, they're going to be ready for the harvest, and they, they get to Samaria, and they're, they're, uh, I'm sure they're trying to find a store on the edge of the city because they don't want to go in. They don't want to have to deal with the people. But they have to go in, and they're walking around, and I'm sure they're avoiding the Samaritans because they don't like them. I'm sure all the Samaritans are looking and thinking, what are these 12 Jews doing in our city trying to buy food? And anyway, they got it accomplished and they, they head back. And in the meantime, Jesus is out there at the well and this woman comes to him, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus asks her to draw water for him. And anyway, he reveals to her that She's been married several times and she's living with a guy now and she says something about why well, I sense that you're a prophet and she says, well, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for water and you'd never thirst again and make a long story short, Jesus shared with her and she got born again. She got saved and she goes back to the city and as she's leaving, the disciples show up and when the disciples show up, they're so, they see the woman leaving and they're so proud of themselves because they found food and they, they come and they bring their bag or whatever they had back then. I don't know if they had plastic bag or, or paper bag. I'm not sure what they were carrying at the time. Depends on the store, I guess. But anyway, they brought food back and they, they bring it before Jesus. And Jesus isn't thrilled. In fact, Jesus is upset with them. Notice what Jesus said. He says in, in, in 31 and thereabouts, he says, I have food to eat you do not know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. The disciples said, what, what's going on? Did somebody else bring him something to eat? See, they didn't, they didn't understand anything that he had to say because they were just simply looking in the natural. They were, they were concerned about their bellies. But Jesus had looked beyond the bellies. He had seen the spiritual, and he says, <clears throat> I, have, I have a food, and he's talking about spiritual food here. And so often we're so concerned with the natural, we miss what Jesus is really wanting to say to us. And then he says to him, don't say there are four months 
and then comes the harvest. And, and this is where the, uh, <clears throat> the disciples were about ready to keel over because that's exactly what they had been talking about as they were, they were walking through the fields. What did they see? They saw the physical harvest. And Jesus says to them, don't say there are four months and then comes the harvest. And then he says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. That's what he's saying to you and me. Lift up your eyes. Because the harvest that Jesus was caring about, cared about, wasn't the wheat. The harvest that Jesus cared about was the souls of men. And he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are right already to harvest. And so he wasn't talking about the wheat fields that they had walked through. He was talking about the city of Samaria. You know, over years, teachers and evangelists and others had come into that city, and I'm sure they had evangelized. They had tried to share the truth with them. They were ripe unto harvest. One man sows, and another gets the opportunity to reap. Do we lift up our eyes, and do we see the harvest field? the spiritual harvest field, or is it that here in the middle of Iowa, where we have such fantastic harvests, that we're so consumed with the natural harvest that we can't see beyond it to see the spiritual harvest. Lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are white unto harvest. One person sows and another person reaps. I sent you into a city where you, dis, you, you bestowed no labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Basically was what Jesus was saying was I've given you the easy task. I've taken the difficult task. The easy task was for you to go into the city and just share that they need to receive. And they were ripe unto harvest. They were ready to receive. I chose the difficult part. I chose the one who had been offended and hurt so badly that she didn't want to hear what anybody had to say. But Jesus was able to share with her. And she received. And what did she do? She did what the disciples who had been walking with Jesus, who were supposed to be prepared, who were ready to reap the harvest, weren't able to do. They went into the city and they came back with bread. She went into the city and shared what, what, the, about the individual that she had met and how he had shared everything about her. And they believed. And they came out to see Jesus. And the city was saved not because of the works of the disciples, but because of the works of a little woman that everybody had rejected. 
who had come to hear about Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, it brought such hope into her life that she was able to go back to her city and she was able to lift up her eyes and she was able to see more than wheat. She was able to see souls. Where are we? Are we so caught up in the harvest of wheat, of corn, of beans, that we no longer see the harvest of souls? Here's Jesus' conclusion of this in John 4.39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all that I ever knew. Saved because of the work of a woman that told me. You lift your eyes. And what do you see? Well, pastor, I don't know what I'm going to say. What great things of Jesus has Jesus done for you? You know, Revelation says that when we share our testimony, it's the spirit of prophecy. Why, 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 what's the significance of it being prophecy? It's because it goes beyond the flesh. It goes into their spirit. When we lift our eyes, it's not talking about seeing that door back there or seeing across the street. It's talking about seeing into the realm of the spirit. And when we lift our eyes, we focus or refocus. And we begin to see what's really, really, really important. Are we more in tune with the natural world than the spiritual? Do we know more about Wall Street and the Dow Jones average than the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit? Can we, can we predict a coming recession or a financial upturn better than we can predict a coming revival. Why would that be? Because of our focus. So what I want to leave you with this morning is lift up your eyes. Don't allow this world that we live in to dominate to dictate your life and your direction for life. Lift up your eyes. Look into the realm of the Spirit because you have ears to hear and you have eyes to see and you can choose to hear and you can choose to see. But we have to make that decision that I want to see, I want to hear what the Holy Spirit has for me. Choose. Choose. You know, Matthew says, seek first. What does it mean to seek? It means to lift up our eyes and see what he's made available to each and every one of us. Because you see, with him, Nothing's impossible.
Wasn't that what one of the kids shared last Sunday? Their, their memory verse was, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. But you know what? When we look in the natural, a whole lot of stuff looks impossible. But when we lift up our eyes, Jesus did. Who do we think we are? That we can do it in our own strength and our own ability if Jesus needed to lift up his eyes and refocus so that he got his eyes off of that which was taking place in the natural, so that he could see into the spirit realm, so that he could see spiritually where God wanted him to go and what God wanted him to do. How much more do we need to have spiritual eyes? Amen. Nothing's impossible. Lift up your eyes. Number one, because redemption draweth nigh. I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out. Lift up your eyes. Look into that realm. See yourself as Christ sees you. Redeemed, holy, righteous, complete, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every area of your life. It's all because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? So, Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and for your love. We thank you, Father, this morning that you have poured out your Holy Spirit, that we merely receive him. That the graces are ours. We simply need to receive. But how do we receive that which we do not know is available to us, that's been provided for us? It's as we look to you and allow you to reveal it to us. And so we choose. We choose today. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for the food right now because it's always difficult once we get out there to get everybody together. Um, we've got, um, <clears throat> I don't know what you're supposed to call them anymore, pot bless, pot luck, picnic. So you combine it all and that's what we're having today. <laughs> and so um, we're, we're eating, I assume, out back. And so just to head out that way and there's some uh, game competitions that are planned and so forth. Woohoo! And, uh, and so uh, if, uh, if you didn't get on the list, uh, Donna mentioned it earlier, <clears throat> but uh, if you didn't uh, get signed up to bring food or anything like that, I'm sure there's going to be plenty. Um, just want to encourage you to stay and have a time of fellowship and uh, enjoy some good eating and some good old competition. Amen? Speaking of competition... Um, our uh, Green County uh, boys soccer team uh, had a great year and um, uh, set history because we won a sub-state game in, uh, uh, in, in soccer. And, and then this Tuesday night, our girls finish up. Oh, no, I better reply. They have a sub-state. <coughs> it, it's uh, they're they're playing uh, Gilbert, which is uh, I think r really highly ranked. So anyway, 
So that's at Gilbert. So if you want to go cheer them on. But anyway, thank God for our soccer players. Amen. Amen. So uh, anyway, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for blessing us. Uh, we thank you for those that have prepared the food for us today. Uh, we ask a blessing upon them. We thank you, Father, that our food is blessed and sanctified, that it nourishes our bodies. Um, all sickness and disease is rebuked in the name of Jesus, and nothing harmful can touch us because we are the redeemed of the Lord. And so, Father, as we receive this food today, we receive it with thanksgiving, giving you all the praise and thanks. Thanking you, Father, that you meet and supply every one of our needs. And so, Father, as we, we look into the natural and we see this food, we appreciate it. But, Father, we also pray that you might open our eyes, that we might see the true food, the spiritual food that is available to those in our community that have not yet heard. And use us as vessels to reach out to them that they might experience the abundant life. And, Father, we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love, in the glorious name of Jesus. And give somebody a hug and let them know you love them. Be blessed.